Eastern Ukraine from boil to simmer and back to boil. This is The World. I'm Marco Werman. It's Monday, February 2nd. The messy situation in Ukraine gets messier. Both pro-Russia rebels and government forces are stepping up the fight. Plus, Al Jazeera journalist Peter Gresti is released after more than 400 days in an Egyptian jail. The way it happened says a lot about Egypt's leadership these days. It was essentially uh, President Abdel Fattah Sisi uh, issuing a decree giving himself the authority to do this. You know, I mean, it's good to be the king. And later, we meet the man who ice-climbed Niagara Falls. It's so wild in there and violent. The sound of the falls is just crashing and... I thought, yeah, this is really cool, and <laughs> not many people are going to ever get to do this. That's all ahead on The World. Support for PRI's The World comes from TIAA CREF, a financial services company helping to create financial outcomes that matter. Learn more at TIAA.org. I'm Marco Werman with The World, and while we were busy, the war in Ukraine roared back with a vengeance. Actually, it's hard to call the five-month-old ceasefire a ceasefire because the fighting only went from boil to simmer, but now it seems to be back on boil. The U.S. accuses Russia of arming the rebels, and today we hear Washington is reportedly considering its own military aid for the Ukrainian government, so things could get messier still. Some of the latest fighting is over a rail hub near the city of Donetsk, a small town called Debaltseva. Chris Miller, senior correspondent for Mashable, was in the town over the weekend. Right now there's just a few thousand people left in Debaltseva, and they are living in miserable conditions. The city is bombarded all day long, every day, for at least the past week by rockets fired from rebel positions. Um, the Ukrainians, the Ukrainian military, that is, uh, they hold positions inside the city of Debaltseva and on the outskirts of town. There's about 8,000 of them, and they're constantly firing back toward rebel positions. The civilians who are trapped there are living without basic amenities, no food, no water, no electricity for weeks now. Uh, when I was there just uh, uh, yesterday, people were building campfires and melting snow for drinking water. Um, they've been crafting stoves out of potatoes and cookware and eating the very few rations that make it through from the International Red Cross. Um, they're, they're living in extremely hellish conditions and mostly underground in residential buildings, basements, and inside of the railway station. I mean, it's the middle of winter, just on the point of heat alone. What are they? How are they dealing with that? Well, they're dealing with it as best they can. They're huddling together in basins for warmth. Uh, they're building fires outside that they can circle around and cook with. Other than that, they don't have the means to be constantly warm. There's no gas. The gas has been out for weeks now. Sub-zero temperatures. Um, basically, they're a, uh, a huddling mass of people in basements waiting for buses to come and pick them up. Um, but the help has been few and far between. Only a couple of buses have been able to make it down the one highway that drives into the Baltica, which has one bridge that's already been blown up twice. So it's a particularly precarious task to get in and uh, even more so to get people out. Right. Tell me about uh, one person you met who is seemingly stranded in Debaltseva. So I spoke with an elderly couple who have nothing but two duffel bags left from, from what they were able to grab from their apartment, which was destroyed in early September. They've now um, been living in the basement of the railway station for about five months, over which time the man, the husband, developed a bad cough, 
and respiratory problems. There's no doctors in the town. There are no pharmacies. Um, the only pharmacy in town closed up months ago, and medicine has been in short supply. So they're very, very worried about his health, and they've been unable to get out. When I was there on Saturday speaking with this couple, two buses pulled up to the city hall building to evacuate people. And this couple was at the railway station. They had heard that the buses would show up there. So when they found out that the buses were at a different location, you know, they were, they were pretty, pretty worried that they might not get out at all. Um, she thought that these buses could be their last chance to survive. So this, this couple and hundreds of others are trapped under, underground and in very, very dire conditions. And who's making the efforts to get people like them out? I mean, is it the government in Kiev, or is it a, another NGO? It's been mostly volunteers driving rickety old buses and 40-year-old Soviet-made cars through what is very, very fierce war zones, traversing rocket craters, driving across broken